I'm Jen. And I'm Yansu. And you're listening to Auth Ethnic, a podcast with real conversations about race and social issues in America. As a mix of Chinese, Korean, and Chicana, we give the mic to people, stories, and topics that aren't always talked about in the Asian American community. Welcome back to the Auth Ethnic podcast. This episode is going to be about boba liberalism. Why do we keep on hearing about boba liberalism on social media this past year? A Twitter user named Redman at diaspora underscore red first created this term called boba liberalism. Plan A magazine did an in-depth take on boba liberalism on their episode titled Boba Liberalism versus Asian Left Twitter. Neha sits down with us, our reoccurring guest. She sits down with us with the Auth Ethnic podcast for an auth for authentic discussion around the perils of cultural awakening, the dangers of consumerism, and becoming a politically conscious Asian American. All right. So Neha, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on again. So good to see you both, Yansu, Jen. Yeah. And Jen, good to see you again. Yeah. Uh, so let's just get right to it. Jen, could you please describe what boba liberalism is? Yeah, I think boba liberalism is a superficial form of activism. Activism that doesn't really go against the grain and it follows mainstream liberal Asian American political goals and thinking. Just like the drink, boba, it's sweet. It's like everyone loves it. It's not offensive. And so too is boba liberalism. It doesn't really take any action. It's relatively new, I would say, in the past year with, you know, BLM and activism taking more of a center stage here in America. But ultimately, it's like you're aiming for your culture to be palatable to the white gaze. This could take the form of thinking America is so great when we don't really think about the trauma that America has caused our home countries due to war and colonialism. It can be liking Andrew Yang simply because he is Asian. It's also the cause of why I get so many fucking Instagram ads with like soju patterned t-shirts. It's like Japanese, Korean, Chinese soft power, like all over again. The fact that like this is a predominantly East Asian focused celebration of mm-hmm. API-ness without the PI. Um, right. So so it's something that it's a trap, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's a trap because we're celebrating something without acknowledging the actual work. In, in some bubble liberalism is a superficial form of wokeness. What I was thinking when you were just talking about that is like, people equating representation as automatic progress and things are automatically better. It's like, oh, see, they like our culture. Oh, we have someone that looks like us in this position of power, but they don't go beyond that. Would you say like that's a that's something similar to that to that description? Of definitely, definitely. I think Bobo liberalism is concerned with representation, like more representation, mm-hmm. but nothing more than that. Like the only ask is, oh, we should be more in media. We should be more like in stores. We should be seen more in like these very capitalist consumerism focused things Mm -hmm. um, and not talking about our own internal struggles. Like they're more concerned with celebrating Simu Liu in like his new upcoming Marvel film. Like that's what they're more concerned about. Okay. I hear you because 
I, I've had very similar feelings as well. Have you seen an Indian version of Boba liberalism? What would the Desi version of Boba liberalism be? I actually didn't know of that term, Boba liberalism, until you told me, Yansu. So thank you for that. And I was like, oh my God, this is such a perfect term. Just that term, Boba liberalism, is also, you know, it's very clearly East Asian centric and not to conflate that with like Asian American liberalism, right? Like not using the term Boba for this massive <laughs> group. And right. so I really appreciate y'all asking like the DC kind of version, you know, and really being like nuanced with it. And yeah, absolutely exists. And, you know, I, I, I think the easiest like equivalent would be like chai tea liberal. So the whole thing be behind this is that, you know, and I'm going to be specific. It's not they see it's not all they see people. I think it's right. specifically Indian people who have really driven this like outrage over the chai tea industry. But that's, you know, they're there. And I'll say we because I'm Indian as well. You know, there is this anger that, oh, how dare Starbucks and all these places say chai tea, you know, it's chai. Chai means tea. God, they're so ignorant. Like, yeah. Our culture is so beautiful and, and chai is so amazing. And how dare they appropriate, you know, chai. And also they're just so dumb because they're saying chai tea. And I get it. Like I have also felt that irritation, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yes, it's valid and it's annoying. And you're like, okay, LOL, like, you know, whatever. But the question, and this is where the liberalism piece comes in that overlaps with the Bova liberalism is, okay, but, and? Right. You know, What's next? Like, okay, so that's a good starting point, perhaps, or, or an entry point. And what comes next? Or is this the only thing? If this is the only thing that you're angry about, you know, whether it's a chai tea or people wearing bindis, these are all things that I have also been and continue to be irritated at in various ways. But I think the question is, if this is the only thing that you get angry at, then what really is your activism? And yeah. particularly for Indian people, because Indian people take up so much space within this Desi group, it's like, okay, well, if you're angry about this, are you also angry about massive amounts of Islamophobia and Hindu supremacy among Indian diaspora mm -hmm. that has spread to this country? Are you also invested in calling out the ways that Indians totally shut down and silence and marginalize Pakistanis and Sri Lankans and Bangladeshis? I think Instagram is the biggest place where I see chai tea liberalism. I'm not sure if that term exists, but I, I just wanted to make the note that we take the most room and cry about things like representation when we don't even care about proper representation within our whole community of Desis. Uh, I just thought about this, but could you elaborate a little bit more about what that term liberalism is? Because I feel that a lot of people will equate liberalism with being like a liberal, politically liberal person, but I don't think that's, oh, that's not that's not it. Like, that's not, I think that's a mis misconception because I've had people get confused. It is, it's not totally conflated, but I think liberalism and liberal, like being a liberal is pretty, goes pretty hand in hand in the sense that, and here's a, an example that I can give. Another example of Chai tea liberalism, which I think helps to understand what this means is, you know, South Asian people, but again, specifically Indian people who were very excited about Kamala Harris using things like, oh, now there's going to be like masala chai, you know, breakfast in the White House and we feel so seen and represented and all of those <laughs> things. And, you know, she's a Desi woman and we're so proud. And that is liberalism. That is representation politics, right? She has claimed an Indian identity, even though I think there's like a sneaky thing 
I feel like a lot, cause I was about to say, oh, she looks like us. That's usually the representation, but I feel like there's so much anti-blackness in the same Indian community that I don't even think people would claim that she quote unquote looks like us. I think there's mm. like weird othering also, but I do mm. think that people are like, oh, well she's claimed her Indianness. She was on this sh- like little show with Mindy Kaling about making those size. Oh my God. That's a, oh, whole, yeah, other- I saw that. <laughs> that's a whole other issue. So problematic. I actually read a bunch of like South Indian people on Twitter being like, that is not how you make a dosa. Like that is so like, it was great. I was like, thank you. For <laughs> That's great. But that is liberalism, right? That's like, you know, you think that you're, because you're like, oh, I'm liberal mm. in the sense that I care about this brown woman, mm. right? Be- becoming the number two political position in the United States. Mm-hmm. But that is devoid of like very critical analysis of white supremacy, imperialism, capitalism, and really devoid of really assessing Kamala Harris's policies, you know, Um, liberals love her because they're like, she's black and brown, you know, woman who has overcome all these things. And she's doing this amazing stuff. All the boxes. She checks off all these boxes and yeah, in some ways, sure, that representation, you know, it feels nice, right? It's kind of like the boba, like you were saying, Jen, like that sweet thing. But then when you like unpeel and kind of go beyond, you start to see what she, you know, as an individual, right, has actually done or not done for they see people and or black mm. people in this country, right? Like one small example I can give you as an educator this is something that really hit home for me and just really struck me. But I remember reading that during her tenure as I think she was like the top cop, right, of California. Yeah. You know, she was trying to criminalize truancy. And yes, that, yes. Right. And that's yeah, so troubling. And that was that was to me the first indication of like, oh, my goodness, this person, while yes, she might share a part of my one part of my identity, right? Mm-hmm. But she does not share my political analysis, which is to be against criminalization and absolutely against anything around getting parents in trouble for kids being absent or getting kids in trouble for you know their absences. So I think that's some of the difference around like, you know, being a liberal is very basic, like low hanging fruit, you know, like cool, like she's a woman, but what do they actually represent politically? Like. How are they actually going to support all of these marginalized communities? Have they ever supported marginalized communities? Do they intend on doing so? So then, correct me if I'm wrong. So then liberalism is like, you're getting to point A, but you kind of just stay at point A and you don't really have the capacity to self-analyze and self-assess and then also like be able to critically think beyond point a like it's like okay this is great and like i can celebrate this but i also need to recognize like b c d points of like we should still work on this like there's much work to be done but yeah i can i can celebrate this aspect but we still need to like also work on these other things yeah i think it's kind of i think that's a part of it i also honestly believe particularly when i'm thinking about you know asian americans broadly who are this kind of boba liberal chai tea liberal i also think that it's not an inability per se, but what's the incentive? I mean, if you are a middle to upper class, well-off Asian am person, besides being annoyed about, you know, the term chai tea or besides wanting boba to become this amazing drink in the United States, I feel like a lot of people have are, are pretty complicit in liberalism. It's not even that they, they don't have the capacity to go beyond, it's that they don't like what's the incentive to go beyond because mm-hmm. it's a benefit, right? Right. Um, what they from, get in return by doing that? 
Yeah, exactly. And we all know model minority, right? And like the ways in which it plays into white supremacy. We know that, of course, there's also that piece of like climbing the capitalism ladder. So there's really not a lot of incentive for, I'm just going to say broadly, Asian folks in the United States to critically analyze. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, even with like lower income folks, like you see that culture of capital, like that grind, the hustle, you know, being seen on social media and, and it's like the typical American dream story. So even if you are not starting off as wealthy, that whole like aspiration and that like goal of climbing that ladder that you said earlier is still really, really strong. Yeah. And it seems like that's the only way to progress, even though there may be other alternative paths of progress. Yeah. And you're not going to want to go beyond between maybe being angry about very basic kind of things that are happening. I want to go back to the example that you had made, Neha, about Daisy folks getting angry about chai tea at Starbucks. I feel like there's a similar example for Chinese Americans that happened, I think, earlier this year called the Mahjong Line. And that was a Mahjong set that was created by three white ladies in Dallas who decided that Mahjong needed a rebrand and that it didn't connect to them or it didn't represent the same playfulness that they saw when they played it. And like Chinese Americans went ham. They went for these three ladies' jugulars and calling out on Instagram, like, how dare you do this? This is awful. This is yet again, like an erasure of the rich history behind this. And some Chinese American folks released like some Instagram infographics of the actual history behind Mahjong or like trying to educate. And it got me thinking like, It was so easy to just pile on the hate and get on the bandwagon of hating these three white ladies, realizing like, you know, I kind of don't really know a lot about this myself. And then I thought about like, oh, I bet other Chinese Americans probably feel the same way because I bet a bunch of us only really cared about Mahjong because of the crazy rich Asian scene. Like, did we actually really know what the hell was going on? Because... I I didn't. I kind of use this as like an example of like my own self-reflection of like, yeah, maybe I was kind of like a bobo liberal because it was just so easy to jump on and put on the hate, but not really do more than that. Like not kind of take this a step further. Thank you, Jen, for sharing that story. I think that's like such a great example. And, you know, in terms of what you were saying in terms, you know, of like, how do we go beyond I was just thinking, yeah, you know, that could be the starting point. And then like the deeper analysis could be around like, you know, capitalist commodification of culture, particularly like, uh, you know, by white people, but also we do it to ourselves too. So, I mean, I don't know, I I need to, I haven't like really fully fleshed this thought out. So I need to flesh it out a little bit better, but I feel like there, there is a way to go deeper. Yeah. Oh, actually what what you, what you just mentioned reminded me of that one conversation we had at Starbucks Neha about curry and like the term curry and people getting all up in arms. Like, no, this is how you're supposed to make it. This is like true, authentic Indian curry. And then I think the title of the book is curry. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the author's like, actually I'm about to drop like (laughs) bombs on you, but like, Actually, some of these ingredients aren't even from India. Tomatoes, <laughs> uh, tomatoes are, are like, not. Tomatoes yeah, are like, these are like not indigenous to the subcontinent at all. Or like some of these dishes are not even from blah 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 blah. And 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 like 
it's all actually absorbing and constantly changing. And I think that that's really, for me, that was like surprising. I mean, Neha, do you remember my response? Like at that Starbucks, I was just like about to like implode yeah. because she was like reading all these like passages and I was just, oh, that was just very eye-opening for me. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So it's like maybe the anger, maybe we need to rethink our anger instead of being angry at, and maybe not even instead, like first reflecting on what it is that we are angry at, because it's maybe different for everybody, mm. but then also wondering, okay, so like, let's say I am angry at the fact that, you know, Starbucks has labeled chai tea wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what if they start labeling it correctly? Is that now I'm happy and now I'm fine with <laughs> right. Starbucks making, you know, $5 off of something that they have decided to call chai. And I'm like, wait, like, oh my goodness. But what about like, they see vendors, you know, or like people who are trying so hard to make a living from things that like are part of our culture and, you know, all this stuff, like maybe that's, maybe that's really the reason that I'm angry. So maybe really the reason that I'm angry is actually like white supremacy and like commodification of culture and like capitalism taking over small businesses, but also just like knowledge um, from people of the diaspora. So I think that's something that would be worth investigating is like, what are we... What are we angry about? And would we like what would make us happy? Like, would we be mm-hmm. happy if these white women didn't do this little cutesy mahjong set? Would that mean that like Chinese people in America are fine? You know, like what's what is it right. that we're after? Right. You know, it's funny uh, we're talking about like what's the source of the anger or like finding that voice because I was with my friend today and I, I was telling her about this episode and she was like, Oh, what is that about? And and you know, I was, I was struggling to kind of explain it, but she really brought up something when she was like, I think I was taught as like an Asian American woman, like it is not okay for me. I don't feel like I have the right to speak up or complain or like say something. And like, I don't deserve that. That's why I I don't know whether to say anything or be in indignation of some sort of issue or not, whether it's something as like anti-Blackness within my uh, cultural community. So maybe Asian Americans are finding these little cultural tidbits as like, oh, that's something close enough where I can express that indignation. I I don't know if that makes any sense, (laughs) but like, like, like I, I've been so repressed or like, I don't know if I can, I deserve to like say or speak out, but here's a topic that allows me to say it because it's part of my culture. I, I can see that. And I think it, I think I've also talked to you, Yonsu, about something that's been in my mind about like, again, this is coming from a very East Asian centric since I'm Chinese, but it's kind of like, I think about it in like stages of self-identification of, of your identity. Like, like, it's like that, what your friend described sounds like the first step in terms of finding my voice and being willing to defend myself or like kind of call people out. If I feel a microaggression or if I feel offended, or if I'm, if I'm angry about something, but then I think the second step of this sort of like life cycle is like, okay, I'm going to take action. Like I'm going to get involved in my community. I'm going to, or I'm going to like learn more about something and buy a book by like a person of color or someone who is an expert on this topic. So I can then equip myself with correct terminology and, or get involved in my own way of whatever form of activism is. And then like, you know, there's, there's other steps. I haven't quite figured this out, but I feel like a lot of us 
for majority of us due to assimilation, due to the model minority myth and all these other things, where a lot of us are still in that first step of like identifying where we are in the context of where we live, like what our identity is treated like and how we're perceived and wherever we are geographically. So America, Australia, I think a good example too, of like what I'm trying to say here is like subtle Asian traits. Like that was created by Australian Asians and A lot of subtle Asian traits is basically just like glorifying East Asian culture. Like, oh, it's so great that I'm like Chinese and Australian and like, oh my God, I love boba. And like, isn't this so great? And it's like, it's like that self-discovery and like pride that you can take in being yourself or celebrating those parts of you, Mm -hmm. but it just stops there. Or, or it's like, if someone messes with that feeling of pride like if you see an example of like you know the mahjong incident happen then i get to express my anger in this space where other people will understand me and also get angry and that will then affirm my my anger or affirm my identity and my pride in my identity but it just stops there like subtle asian trace doesn't really talk about activism Subtle Asian Traits has not mobilized its community of like 3 million plus users. Like that's such a huge user base. And all you guys do, all y'all do is just, but like for lack of a better word, suck each other's dicks. Like I I just, I'm sorry. But I, I think that actually flows back to what Neha said earlier, right? Like even if it's so easy to just stop at the first step because there is no incentive, right? If your goal is, if you're already wealthy or you already got a job and you're like a doctor, engineer, Mm. lawyer, whatever, right? Is there an incentive for me to go any further to be critically thinking or understand like the political implications of going beyond just like the little cultural sprinklings? Like it's more like, oh yeah, this gives me a little more personality, but I'm comfortable in my mansion or house. Class I don't know, like, does that make sense now? Yeah, I think it definitely makes sense. I'm having a couple of other thoughts too, as I listen to you both amazing thinkers. And one thing that I, I was just thinking about as I was listening to you both was just some of my own self-reflection on this topic. And I realized, you know, over the past couple of years, I used to have a very ageist critique of this whole topic. I didn't know, you know, this term boba liberalism and or chai tea liberalism. I just generally knew that it was irritating when people would have this kind of manufactured and in a way outrage, you know, at these very basic things and surface level things. And I used to be like, oh my goodness, like that was like, so college that's like, so 101, like, can people just grow up, you know? And I realized I was reflecting and I was like, you know, that is, that is kind of ageist because I think that not everybody has access to that in college. And some people don't actually, you know, like you were saying, Jen, like come to that first step, maybe until they're like thirties, you know, or even beyond. And that's okay. Like I shouldn't, I need to, I've learned that I also need to practice some patience with where people are, you know, on their journey. And I've also realized, and and I'm thinking more about this as I'm, you know, hearing you both talk, but it's like, okay, and what is also the responsibility of more lefty Asian people in bringing along our siblings, our siblings. Thank you. Yeah. How do we bring along folks 
in a way that helps them go through these steps. Because I certainly had people who, you know, helped me along same. when I had my awakening oh, yeah, or whatever in high school and in college. Totally. And I've said and done really ridiculous and irritating things myself. And so that's something else that I'm also thinking about because I, I, I call myself out on that a lot is like, okay, where is my patience? How do I also help bring along folks? Because if I just leave it up to that person, who is going through the steps, like they might find a right-wing Asian group that they might accidentally align with, right? On their own, or like they might think Yang Gang is <laughs> the way to go based on this journey of representation, you know? So that's something that I'm kind of calling us, you know, Asian lefty people to task also. How do we, how do we bring our, yeah, siblings, our comrades, our friends, how do we bring folks along on a very difficult journey of both political consciousness, but also like resistance, because right. a lot of this, what we're talking about is we wish people had a more deeper critique so that we could resist things like white supremacy, capitalism, imperialism. With that, let's take a quick break. Another example that was just coming to mind for this kind of chaiti liberalism was also folks getting, you know, irritated at how white people say namaste, particularly like after a yoga session. And I a hundred percent am that person. Like I also get extremely irritated, you know, and the way in which like white people will say like namaste or like whatever, however they pronounce it. And so again, like I, you know, I, I think that that's valid. It is irritating to hear a language that you speak at butchered by white people, like, because it, it happens so much. And then it also, it goes back to the thing of, you know, what about that is making you angry slash, is that the only thing that's making you angry? You know, I think for me, I, I, I practice yoga and it's really important to me in terms of the way that I'm able to find some peace in my life. And so I really thought about the ways in which like what was really making me angry. And the thing that's really making me angry is the ways in which yoga has been commodified in this country and, you know, how expensive it is, how inaccessible it is, how ableist it is, how colorist, how racist it is. You know, it's always like very thin white bodies. It's associated with like, you know, a rich middle-class activity, all of these things, which just don't feel at all true to what I think yoga should be. Right. And then what I hear, like a very basic critique is like, oh, but like India, you know, in India, yoga is like aligned with Hinduism and, you know, yoga is like available for all. And, you know, it, it sounds like a good thing. You're like, okay, good. This, this could be a good critique. However, going even a deeper layer, you see that there are actually, there's issues of casteism in mm -hmm. India when it comes to yoga and aligning it with Hinduism mm -hmm. was also in ways problematic. And it's also something historically thinking like, oh, yoga has also been practiced in parts of Africa and there's like some history there. And, you know, and so how do we, so there's like all these layers, I think, in terms of this liberalism where it's like, you know, you're angry at this one thing. And then how do you go deeper? How do you kind of continue to be critical to really understand the different layers of the social issue rather than just being like, mm, my culture is amazing and they're not doing it authentically rather than being like, wait a minute, maybe there's actually also some problems with what's happening in my, my homeland. Right. I mean, I, I'm automatically thinking of like elements of Korean culture that is technically quite authentic, but very, very harmful <laughs> and patriarchal oppressive things that like, I wish not to implement or observe. Yeah. It's, 
I think that's part of that authenticity of who we are now, right? That's that's sort of the namesake of our, our podcast, obviously. But we don't, I think the lesson that I'm interpreting from what Neha is saying is like, first of all, what does it mean to be authentic? And then second of all, like, even if it is authentic, do we still want to keep on doing it and perpetuating it? Because some stuff, yeah, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> Exactly. That's, that's exactly it. Right. And like, how, how can we critique our own cultures also, rather than always trying to protect them from the white gaze? Like, how about we just cut white people out of it totally? Like who cares what they think or say or do? And let's focus on what's happening within our own in-groups and our own communities, because it's not always kosher. It's not always actually really beneficial. Totally. And I think, I think that kind of also touches on like, what can we do to sort of avoid boba liberalism, chai tea liberalism? Like Neha, what you were talking about before the break, where it was like, you know, maybe we kind of need to like lend a hand out to those who may be at step one, point A, who kind of just stop at the anger and stop at the pride point. Like how can we kind of be the people who were there for us in like our college days or when we were younger and kind of at that stage? Like, what can we sort of brainstorm here or think about here that that could be helpful in, in avoiding Bobo liberalism? Because I think one of them for sure is just the self-reflection and, and, and the awareness, like encouraging others to kind of self-reflect and critique, critique certain like different aspects of, of a certain thing. So like what you were saying about yoga. And it was funny you just mentioned that because I literally was driving with a friend yesterday and I don't know if they have it in the East Coast, but it's like a chain called Core Power Yoga where they do like hit or like face core. Right now. <laughs> it, wait, what? What? Her face right now. If you're like, yeah, at I face, know. Oh yeah, like Neha's like immediately like triggered and like I'm so sorry, <laughs> but like I literally looked at it and I just like sighed and like I was just like, man, like you have so you have taken something so far away from its original intention and like the purpose of it where you know culture of optimization in america like oh how can i do hit how can i do all the like how can i cram everything into like this one activity but it's like so watered down and like just so co-opted like yoga has been co-opted so so when you were talking about yoga and i was like oh my god i just like thought about that yesterday but then i also thought about like oh my god like there's a bunch of like East Asian, like East Asian instructors as well. And like, I kind of think about that and I'm like, Ooh, I kind of connect with like this one, like gay Chinese, like yoga instructor. Like he was like super cool, but I was like, but is this real? Like, you know, I kind of felt like a little weird. Like, yeah, like identity politics, like what you were saying about Kamala Harris. It's like, Ooh, like cool. Like someone who looks like me doing it. Like, yay. But I'm like, Oh, but we are not we're actually, we did not create yoga. This is, hmm, hmm. But anyway, so. And I think, yeah. Yeah, no. And I think that I, I, let me, let me clarify too really quickly, because I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome to have a teacher or a guide or a mentor that you can connect with in that way that, you know, you, that's really cool that you have that gen. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not one of those people at all. I think that that is personally, I, I don't agree that like yoga should only be for like Indian people. I think that that's, Mm-hmm. totally ridiculous. Like, I don't think that Indian people at all have a monopoly on yoga. Like that is a very terrible, shallow critique, which is like part of, I think the Chai tea liberalism, which is yeah. again, the idea of like this, this, you know, is authentic to us. Therefore only we can control it actually. No, because when it has also only been controlled by people, Indian people in India, 
it's inaccessible. It's casteist. It's definitely still sexist. I mean, there's so many problems like still, you know, so I, I don't want to pretend that that is like, if only Indian people were the only instructors of yoga. No, 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 no. Sorry. That is absolutely not what I was getting at. I'm really happy to hear that. I think the critique here is how do we, and it should always be for everything, right? How to make something not ableist, right? How come we don't see enough fat bodies doing yoga, regardless of the race or ethnicity? Yeah. How come we don't see like free accessible yoga? Yeah. Like why does it cost $30 at some $50 at some places? Like I'm not even making these numbers up, right? Let's to go do- out to a park and just roll out a blanket or just right. use the earth. Right, right, exactly. You know, and like who owns these studios? I think Mm. that's also interesting. Who's profiting off of all of this, right? Like Mm -hmm. if it's also an Indian person who's, you know, able-bodied and, you know, an an ableist and, you know, racist and classist, I don't want them to be making money off yoga either then, you know? So I think it's like, it's like, it goes back to that piece around representation. It's deeper than just like, Yay, Indian people are like, nope, like we we are also, you know, we we also have our problems around class and color, um, caste, you know, all the things. So yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, boba liberalism or or these types of Asian Asian <laughs> fake, liberalism. Asian liberal fake, fake Asian wokeness, like it all goes back, or a majority of it from what we are what we've been talking about in this episode goes back to consumerism too. Like it, like, like who benefits, who's, who's profiting, who's making money off of this. Like I see that a lot too. Yeah. And, and again, again, it just goes to show that just because you have an Asian person benefiting, that's not a victory or automatically. What if that, what Neha just said, what if that person is a racist or a colorist or castist? Then I'm like, yeah, on second thought, actually, I don't want to pay for this. Like, oh, I'd rather have a different instructor. Like, I have a yeah. perfect, I have a perfect example of that. Of like, oh, yay, let's celebrate and uplift this this person of color. But then when you kind of peel back the inner workings, you're like, ooh, that's actually not great. And this happened last year due to the influx of Black Lives Matter and and protests. But there is a chain on the West coast called Boba guys. They're like hella big. They're like really well-known big Boba chain company. So it's very ironic that we're talking about Boba liberalism. And this example is like a Boba shop, but there was an article that came out in the SF Chronicle where a couple black women employees, former employees came forward saying that they were mistreated by their managers, whether they were passed over for promotions even though they did more work and like Mm -hmm. they they showed great work ethic or if they had raised concerns to their manager that they were being mistreated by like customers or like you know because there are a lot of tourists in the bay and like Chinese tourists and like sometimes they've never seen a black person before and they're like super rude and awful to the black employee and like no one has no one should ever have to be treated that way when they raise those concerns their hours were cut they were taken off of a lot mm-hmm. of shifts. So retaliation, obviously, yeah. prime textbook example of retaliation. So when they came forward in this article, you know, the two co-owners of Boba Guys were like, oh, like, we're really sorry about that. And like, we're going to get rid of these managers. And like, so they were kind of like, it was just a bit ironic because, you know, we uplift, it's become such a part of our culture. Like Boba Guys is such a big thing in the Bay and like Boba and everything. But then when when things fall apart and when you're actually not protecting like other 
other people, other communities of color, sort of a sort of a scandal of like, oh, like I don't want to support you after all. If you're mistreating like black people like this, your black employees like this. And if you're you're giving white employees and Asian employees more promotions and making it easier for them, like so there was actually replicating white supremacy on a micro level. Yes. So I think that's like a prime example and how ironic to call out that it's actually Boba. So like even though Boba is like sweet and like we all like love this, like part of a Bay Area culture, like, oh, like, thankfully, there are a lot of people who are calling it out and like boycotting them. And like, but I I never like, really went there. So I was like, ah, this confirms like my my initial feelings of this place. But yeah, like, I think that's a great that's like a I want to throw in that example of like, who ties in all these elements. Yeah, I mean, I I like that example. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a really good example as well. And actually reminded me of something that I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention earlier. One of the questions that you had asked was, why is it important? Like, or how do we not be a bubble liberal? Or why is it important not to be bubble liberal? One of the things that I saw, a big theme that I've seen with this liberalism, you know, broadly speaking, is the massive amounts of anti-Blackness that are also a part of it, which definitely in the example that you just gave, Jen, and then if I can just elaborate also and, and add on to that is the people who get upset about these things say is like, oh, well, nobody cares about Asian issues. Nobody's even angry about the Mahjong thing. Nobody's even angry about the fact that it's like chai tea and like, ugh, ugh, we are the underdog. And, you know, we just, nobody cares about Asian American issues and everybody cares about Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter gets all the attention and nobody cares about us Asians. And, you know, nobody cares, you know, but like it's, it's, (laughs) it makes me laugh, but also it's very, very disgusting, disrespectful, frustrating because there's no reason to invoke Black Lives Matter or anything related to the Black community when it comes to addressing issues within the API community. And I've seen it so, so, so much. And yeah, and it's so, and and I understand that it's out of a place of ignorance and I'm not gonna lie, when I was a senior in high school, I'm very sure, I'm sure I said something along the same lines. And luckily I had mentors and I also self-reflected and I was like, wait a minute, that is very racist. Why am I making it seem like this one group gets all this attention, whereas, you know, quote unquote, our group, Asians, you know, don't get anything. That's not true. That's absolutely not true. If there's anything, Black Lives Matter has gotten the worst kind of attention, mm. right. right? The most hate. There was no, when it, when it came to the stop Asian hate, I've asked a lot of people about this. There was never an all lives. Yeah. Response. There was never a stop all hate. Exactly. Right. The way that Black Lives Matter, they had, you know, all lives matter. And so it's very frustrating to me. And I think that for me is the biggest piece. I don't even care if like Boba liberals, you know, get happy or angry about whatever basic level things that they do. My biggest issue with Asian American liberalism broadly is that it is so anti-Black. Like they always find a way to make it seem as if Black folks get the special status in this country and that Asians are somehow whatever the underdog. And I'm using that term, the underdog, because I just saw a tweet from Simi, Simi Lou. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where I think he uses that term for like, and I get it. He's upset about like the Disney release or whatever, but it's so funny because his tweet is like, we are undervalued. We are the underdog. Like we will rise up. Like what are you talking about? Like, what do you like? Who is the we here? Like, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking, you know? And, and if the we is Asians, 
then please rethink what the hell you're saying. Because if you think Asians have it the worst, quote unquote, in this country, then you have you have never read a history, you know, book. And so for me, like, that's the biggest annoyance with this whole Boba Chaiti liberalism piece is like they always manage and find a way to exhibit anti-Blackness. And they always try to make a, try to make it seem like Asians have it the worst. It's like a Prussian Olympics. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And then, and then they weaponize it and say, oh, since all these people, these people or Black people don't care about our issues. See, yeah. we, that's what we pointing. don't care about. Da, da, da. If you want my support, then and it's like, okay, now you're just making it transactional. It's not even accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yep, exactly. Exactly. And they were never even those people didn't even lift up Black Lives Matter in the first place, you know, but they want the silent. Yeah. And they put a black square. They put a black square. Put a black square. Now they put a yellow square. Apparently that was like something that I think one like some liberal Asian American group. Was it 18 million rising? I forget. Oh, why would I not be surprised? You can fact check me on this, but they put a (laughs) yellow square up and I literally vomited and I was like, it might have been. This is the most disgusting, appropriative, like anti-black thing ever. Like, why the hell? Like, I mean, and there was actually a, a, a black left critique of the black squares in the first place. So that even right, oh, yeah. Yeah. right. Like, it's not even you know. And so anyway, who? Yeah, that's the piece that like I think gets me the most angry or frustrated about the boba liberal. Okay, if you don't care about bigger issues, fine. Okay, just be upset about these things, but please don't. <laughs> Go yeah. give into anti-black racism. Thank you so much. We'll end it right here. I mean, thank okay. you so much for again dropping Drop gems in of wisdom. wisdom. Yeah. Like you always do. And you know, our our listeners, like if this was difficult for you to listen to, then that's good because that is how we keep on learning and get better and be better people. Start self-reflecting, um, self-critiquing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you both. Bye. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, please consider subscribing to our podcast. Share this episode with your friends, your family, coworkers, or anyone you know who wants authenticity around ethnicity. And if you're hungry for more content, you can follow us on Instagram at offethnicpodcast to stay up to date on current events, race issues, and chat directly with us. This is Off Ethnic signing off.